Digital Download. I'm Kate Hamer. I run a marketing and digital consultancy, Kate Hamer Limited. I've worked in large brands like Unilever, Disney and L'Oreal for over 15 years and a decade of that I worked in digital and I really understand how difficult it can be to keep up to date with the fast moving world of digital. So this podcast will hopefully help you by giving you a summary of the past week's news and I also discuss key topics in the industry each week. Thanks to everyone who's downloaded it. Do subscribe to it. Do leave a review. Keep sending me feedback. It's really helpful. I'm especially interested to know from you what you think of the current length of the podcast and whether you're finding the companion page on katehamer.com useful each week. So do tweet me at katehamerlimited or email kate at katehamer.com with any feedback, particularly on those topics, and then also any questions or themes that you'd like me to cover. This week, I'm going to be going through some updates that have happened, especially to things such as Facebook Live and Periscope, some new acquisitions, both in digital and from a a brand perspective, and then I'll be ending with some tips on what makes a great website. So without further ado, we'll get cracking, starting on social media as per usual. And there are a couple of really nice, good news stories in social media this week. And I thought as there is so much awful stuff going on in the world, I would share them with you. So the first one is the Waterstones love story that you might have seen. So Jonathan O'Brien used to man the Oxford Street Waterstones branch account and Victoria really used to love the tweets that he wrote and was saying that she thought she was in love with the person running the account. They didn't meet straight away. Jonathan was staying very professional and not uh, replying from the Waterstones account, but he did eventually message her from his private account and they met up and last week they got married after three and a half years. So love can be found on social media. And the second story is around Pokemon Go. Obviously, I talked quite a lot about it last week on the pod, so I won't be covering it again this week. But just one really nice little story that I saw shared on social media was about an animal shelter in the US that was offering people the opportunity to rent out one of the dogs in the animal shelter so that they could walk the dog and have an excuse to play Pokemon Go. So they were paying $5 to rent the dog out, which has been beneficial for the animal shelter in multiple ways. So obviously it's enabled them to raise some money. It's also meant that some of the Pokemon Go players have actually ended up falling in love with the dog that they were walking. And so they've adopted it or they've posted pictures on social media and other people have seen the dog and requested to adopt it to a point where this animal shelter is now bringing in dogs from other shelters due to the demand. So that's brilliant that some dogs are being able to be rehomed, people are getting out in the fresh air and walking. So it's a very positive thing. Right, onto the updates from the different channels now, starting with Facebook. Facebook have issued some new updates to Facebook Live to make it a more immersive experience. So firstly, when you're streaming now, you can do it in full screen mode, which gives you a bit more room on the screen to see what the viewers are seeing. 
on iOS you can broadcast in portrait or landscape now Android is currently limited to portrait mode but full screen is coming later this summer secondly users and publishers can now live stream for up to four hours per session and Facebook are saying this is in a response to both users and publishers asking for longer sessions so four whole hours you can stream for now and finally you can now hide reactions and comments in live videos so if they become a bit of a distraction if they're sort of flying around on the screen when you're trying to watch something or when you're broadcasting you can now remove that and keep your video clutter free so the updates trickling out to users they're saying and it will be rolling out more broadly in the coming weeks a quick thing on instagram no updates from their side but i read an article that was saying that the most followed celebrity on instagram is selena gomez and as a result she has the potential to make up to half a million dollars per post that she does she actually doesn't do a huge amount of sponsored posts and this study that's been done by de marie analytics thinks that that's probably why she's got quite a strong influence so across instagram facebook and twitter she's got nearly 200 million followers um, so she's got more fans on social than Beyonce, Kim Kardashian and Taylor Swift. And they've looked at a set of 56 different metrics to create an algorithm which looks at how many followers she's got, frequency of her posts, engagement, quality, click-through. And that has determined that she is the most influential star on social media. So give her a follow, make her even more influential, but could be interesting to see the sorts of posts that she puts out there. Onto Snapchat, they bought the app Bitmoji this week and that app is one where you can make a personal avatar that you can then put in different scenarios within the app but you can also use it in tweets and in messaging apps. They've already begun to experiment with branded content at the end of 2015 with brands like Bergdorf Goodman and Steve Madden where users can dress their avatars in those brands and they also do things from cinematic releases such as Ghostbusters where you can wear the outfit from the film. So tying in with Snapchat now obviously gives them a, a massive audience with Snapchat's 150 million daily users and potentially the opportunity to work with more brands uh, they're talking about lifestyle brands like Tony and Guy, um, Starbucks, those kind of things. And it's also a great way for brands to get into that side of dark social where people are messaging, but it's all quite private. But at least if you can get your branding in into someone's avatar, that's a way to be getting brand awareness. So not quite sure how Snapchat will use it within Snapchat. I'm sure they will be looking at how they integrate it that way as well but certainly it's a, a big audience acquisition for Bitmoji to have been acquired by them. So watch this space. Quick thing on Skype, Microsoft are moving Skype to the cloud, not always necessarily using the Microsoft Azure cloud. They might sometimes be using um, other data centers that are nearer to the users, but it should certainly mean that they'll be more agile to add functionality and call quality, etc. should be better. So watch this space again for more updates on Skype. On to Twitter. Uh, worth following if you don't already at Twitter Ads UK. They're doing some nice uh, hashtags, hashtag Twitter daily at the moment with facts about different industries. So 
for example, travel this week leading up to people going on holiday. So one in four Twitter users follow travel brands and two thirds have been on holiday in the last year. So they're just little animated uh, GIFs talking about facts of different audience deep dives, but worth following them. Another thing for Twitter you might have seen in the news this week is that they've created an online process so that anyone can now request verification. So I've seen some of my clients saying, oh gosh, you know, once everyone's verified, no one's verified. But I doubt very much that anything's going to change in terms of criteria for verification. You still need to be giving two examples of web URLs to back up why you should be verified in terms of being in the public interest. I think the main thing will be that Twitter employees won't keep getting hassled now by people asking them to verify them. I'm sure my contacts at Twitter will be mightily pleased that I won't be doing that anymore with the people that I work with. On to one final thing from a Twitter perspective. They've signed a deal with publisher Campus Insiders in the US to live stream over 300 games of college sports. So football, basketball, lacrosse, volleyball and other sports are going to be streamed live. It'll include events like the Mountain West Conference, the Patriot League and the West Coast Conference. There'll also be additional content around all of those events in real time as well. So Twitter, obviously following on from the deals they've done with the NFL and with the NBA in terms of pre-game content are really establishing themselves as that platform for live content. And speaking of live content, Periscope have announced some updates this week. They announced them with a live Periscope broadcast where the technical guys at Periscope were explaining and showing on phones the developments and how they were going to impact the user, which I thought was really good. It also heartened me slightly that even when they're broadcasting live from Periscope HQ, it does pause and buffer from time to time. So... Uh, Obviously, everyone gets that problem, but I've put a link to the whole broadcast on the companion page on katehamer.com if you want to watch it. In summary, they've revealed a new feature called Highlights, which effectively generates a small trailer for your broadcast for people to decide whether they want to watch it again. And it focuses on interesting moments of the broadcast. Now, I've watched some of my highlights back and they're not necessarily highlights if I was going to pick them myself, I imagine that it's probably some sort of algorithm that is driving these out based on interaction with the broadcast at that particular time. So maybe it's when people were all pressing the heart or maybe it's when more people were watching at a particular time. But I imagine that will get slicker and better as it progresses. So you can now go on, when you first open the Periscope app, you can actually watch highlights in general of other people's highlight videos and you can scroll through those so that's interesting at the bottom of the broadcast you can see the dots of where the highlights appear so that you can go to those they've also refreshed the global feed and the watch tab so that now broadcasts will be a larger format and they'll auto play without sound as soon as the apps launch so you're getting a bit of a taster before you click in and watch it with the sound uh, the latest autoplay feature is only going to be in android and iOS is going to happen in a few weeks time. 
And then the other thing was that they were really highlighting the way that you can embed Periscope broadcasts into web pages so that people can watch them anywhere. At the moment, it's by embedding the tweet that that Periscope is in and then the Periscope will play wherever it's been embedded. So a good few developments there that should get reach even bigger from a point of view of Periscope views. Facebook Messenger announced last week that it has 1 billion monthly active users now. WhatsApp obviously announced that I think in February this year, also owned by Facebook. So that means that over one out of every seven people on the planet are using a Facebook chat app now. They also released some more stats about Facebook Messenger. So its users send more than 17 billion photos to friends using the app every month. More than 22 million GIFs are sent every day through Messenger and 380 million stickers. And there's 250 sticker packs now that users can use with Facebook Messenger. There was also some stats around messenger bots which i've talked about on this show before so messenger now generates more than a billion messages sent between people and businesses so this is in addition to the people to people messages each month which is double what it was this time last year and there's eighteen thousand chatbots on messenger now which accounts for 10 percent of all voice over ip calls globally when you look at how quickly they've achieved this rise in active users to 1 billion it only launched as an app in august 2011 by the first quarter of 2014 it had 200 million active users by november that same year it had 500 million and in june last year they were at 700 million so it's really grown super quickly in terms of the volume of users and in terms of where smartphone users are now spending most of their digital time it is within messaging apps and that's something that as a business you will really need to start looking at how can you use these messenger apps to communicate with your customers we've talked a few times on this show about emoji they are obviously the fastest growing language and the language of choice quite often in terms of how people communicate there's a new keyboard swift moji that you can download as an app and have on your phone which makes it much more easy to use emoji so I always say that I wish there was a search function for emoji because I can never find the one that I want to use when I'm doing a message this swift key microsoft owned swift emoji keyboard app rather than having to search through the long list of emoji it predicts the most appropriate one based on the words that you type so if you've said hugs and kisses at the end of a message it will suggest like the heart or the kiss so could be a time-saving device i haven't downloaded it yet but i will and uh, anyone who messages with me watch this space for potentially new improved emoji usage in my messages goodbye flash mozilla announced this week that it's going to be doing away with flash so starting in august this year firefox 48 is going to block all flash content deemed not essential to the user experience obviously flash is being used less and less and people are building sites more in html5 now but this move is the first in a series that is finally going to kill it off for good so in 2017 they're going to up the ante even further by having a click to activate approval for Flash. So a user will have to jump through another hoop to run Flash in the browser. And it will 
pl it's planning to block flash content that's not visible to users but they haven't got a time frame for that and it looks like Microsoft will be following suit as well so flash will soon be dead if you've got any flash on your websites then uh, clean it up and get rid of it it's not going to be any good in the future so that's the digital news for this week in terms of a few things from brands that are relevant in the digital space unilever have acquired dollar shave club so they you may have seen and i'll put it on the companion page the dollar shave video that they did when they first launched which had the owner in because they couldn't afford actors and it's a subscription model in terms of people ordering their razors online and getting them sent to them auto replenished so unilever have acquired them in a deal that's said to be worth about a billion dollars they're going to pay cash apparently and it should be closed in the third quarter in terms of the purchase and this should really help them progress in the male grooming market particularly against P&G and Gillette and it'd be interesting to see if there are also learnings that they take from the Dollar Shave Club into the way that they market some of their other brands online. Justin Bieber was creating a bit of noise on Twitter last week. I mean, I'm sure he's always creating noise, but he was DMing lyrics for his new track, Cold Water, to people who use the hashtag Cold Water Two Days. And obviously people were going crazy when they got a DM from Justin with one line from his new song. So a great way to create some buzz before his single was launched wouldn't be one of my podcasts without me talking about football so Liverpool have tried out 360 degree video on their match against Huddersfield uh, you can move around inside the video and sort of look from different angles I, again I've embedded it into the companion page for the blog this week I'm not sure that it necessarily works as a format for football I think if you could zoom in it might be better but because you're in a fixed place away from the pitch it's quite hard even if you're looking from end to end you can't zoom in on the action but have a look for yourselves and see what you think and just a little note not only is flash on its way out but VHS videos have stopped being made so 40 years after the first video cassette recorder rolled off the production line the last known company making the devices is ceasing production at the end of this month i'm amazed that they were still making them to be honest because dvds and blu-rays have been around for a while obviously but uh, they are now completely stopping making them so bye bye vhs so each week I end the show with a guide to a different topic. It might be how something works or it might be delving into a particular buzzword. This week I'm going to focus on what makes a great website. So if you're already a digital expert and you just wanted the news, you can stop listening now. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to let me know what you think of the show and a goodbye. Right, for the rest of you still listening, we can get cracking on what makes a great website. So I wrote a blog about this a while ago following a conversation that I'd had with a client where they were reviewing a website that was being designed for them more from a point of view of is it interesting or eye-catching enough and they felt like it maybe needed more gimmicks and things on it and had perhaps lost sight of what the actual purpose of a website is. 
and it reminded me of t my times at big brands where you're sometimes working with senior brand guardians that are obviously really immersed in the look and feel of the brand but they would sometimes review a website looking through that lens rather than the usability point of view of a website so it's obviously very important to have a consistent brand look and feel but when you're signing anything off, you should always be looking at it in, in its context. So I've had people before that have wanted sort of printouts of websites to look at and that just doesn't work because you lose all the additional elements of how you might roll your mouse over something or what you might want to click on, etc. If you don't look at a web page in context, you can end up getting something that looks beautiful and would be brilliant as a double page spread in a magazine, but it's not necessarily logical for a website. So you've got to think as well about, you know, on mobile, can people swipe? Can they pinch? Can they zoom? All those kind of things. Because websites give us this opportunity to take the consumers further into our brands rather than it just being that kind of superficial thing that they might see in a magazine or on a billboard. And one of the great advantages of the whole world of digital is that we can serve the user far better. You know, we can have targeted things. We can be doing different things on different pages. It doesn't have to be the same experience for everyone. A website is often a step in a user journey. It's not necessarily their first port of call. So they might have come to you through a particular search on Google. They might have typed the URL in having seen a press ad they might have clicked on a link on a social network. And so you need to be catching people's eye on social networks or in search or in the press ad. That's where you're trying to get their attention. And then what you need to be doing on the website is accurately responding to their query or serving them the experience that they expect coming from wherever they've come from. So once people land on your website, you need to be asking yourself, why are they there? Maybe it's to get an answer to a question or to find out more about your offering or to transact with you. So depending on what it is, then you have to decide what's important. It might be that it loads quickly. It might be that they can find what they're looking for. It might be that your content is relevant or they can achieve what they've set out to do. And you need to think about where your customer is. So both physically, like are they looking on your website while they're in a store or are they at home sitting on the sofa and they've just seen your advert on TV, for example. And then also what device are they on? Are they on their mobile? Are they on an iPad? Are they on their desktop at work? What do you want them to do while they're on your site? And have you made that as easy as you possibly could? So Obviously, you do want the site to look good. You want it to have a quality feel, reflect your brand values, but you don't need gimmicks for gimmicks sake. So if you think of your website like a boat, rather like my logo, then you don't want to slow it down with the weight of things that might make it look nice, but they're not going to serve any purpose because you want to be able to speed ahead to your destination and cope with every eventuality at sea. So you only want things on there that you're going to use. If you think of websites that you use regularly, so for example, Google, it's a super simple design and it enables you to do what you came to do, which is search. If you think about the best e-commerce sites, they're also very simple in their design. You know, Amazon, ASOS, eBay, they don't have lots of whizzy animations. They let their products be the hero and they only add elements such as filters, reviews, catwalk videos, if it's gonna help the user to make their decision and help them to convert. 
Same with sites like Twitter and Facebook. They've made users even more used to using simple sites where their content is what populates it and that's what makes it interesting. The actual framework of Twitter and Facebook is super simple. So if you want to make sure that your site is engaging and eye-catching, then you're far better to invest your time in thinking about and planning your content rather than creating widgets that just look pretty. If you are putting your user at the heart of what you do and planning out a journey based on how they are going to go through the site, you know, it's super useful to do research with users. You can do things like eye tracking where you can watch them using the website and see how they navigate their way through, what things catch their eye, where they're moving their mouse. Putting that investment in up front to the design of a website is really important. And if you put the consumer at the heart of what you're doing, then you won't go far wrong. So they're my thoughts on what makes a great website. Thanks for listening to the digital download. I hope you found it useful. We've gone slightly shorter on time this week based on some feedback last week. Do let me know what you think at Kate Hamer LTD on Twitter or email Kate at KateHamer.com and I will be back next week. Have a great week. Music.